following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, please visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. All right. Well, how are you today? Are you good? Must have been a, a really, really rough day. Work was tough. Work, huh? It's difficult. How, how are you today? Are you good? You look good. I'm glad you feel good. And I'm excited about preaching to you tonight. Listen, this, this series is a whole lot of fun. Because you realize, right, that you have helped us with the topics for this series. We're taking questions that that you have texted in, and we're trying to break them down. We want to help you understand some of the, the major questions that you have in your life. And so we are in week three of this incredible series called You Asked For It, and I get the honor of, of kind of breaking down a really, really, really fun topic. Before I, I do, let me just tell you, because you're probably wondering, like, how come I didn't get my hug from Pastor Johnson at the porch tonight? Like, I'm a little upset about that. I know, I get it, I'm sorry. Him and, uh, and Sweet Patty got out of town for a few days to just rest and relax and just kind of recoup and get their thoughts together and energize for the, the end of the year. So they'll be back in town very soon. But anyways, you know Pastor sends his, I promise you, whatever he is doing right now, He's thinking about what's happening right now. I promise you, this is what is on his mind. It doesn't matter where he's at. He could be, like, you think of the coolest place in the entire world. If he was there, like, right, our wives would want our undivided attention, right? You know, if we're, like, on a date. So he could be, he's thinking about church right now. He's like, Lord, please don't let my son-in-law mess this service up, Please. <laughs> No, he's not thinking that. He's not thinking that, but he is thinking about you. And so tonight, we're, we're going to jump into a topic that, that is a lot of fun. It really, really is. And I'm proud of you. I have to be honest, because the, the question that we're going to be breaking down tonight really has nothing to do with you. But at the same time, it has everything to do with you. In fact, the question that we're going to answer tonight has the, the potential to impact the world. And I know you're like, wow, we're going to do that tonight? Yes, we, we're going to figure this out. We're going we're gonna to jump into and break down the answer to this question. How do I share my faith? How do I share my faith? And I think that, that as a church, right, we're asking this question for multiple reasons. But, but one is because you understand that, that we have a mandate. Not just, not just as a church, but individually. You and I have a mandate to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. Like we, that is what we are called to do. You may be an electrician, but guess what? You're called to spread the good news of Jesus. You may be a plumber, but you're called to spread the good news of Jesus. That is what you and I have a mandate to do. 
In fact, Jesus would give the church very clear instructions. Mark chapter 16, he says this, he says, go everywhere. And it's interesting because I think go to my neighborhood. No, no, no. He says, you go everywhere, not just to your work, not just to, you go to places that you, that you don't think of right off the top of your head. You go there and you share the good. You got to tell people about what's going on. You got to tell them what's happened in your world. We have a mandate. Tell them the good news and share it. With everyone, and, and I think you understand this, and that's what I love about you, but, but you understand that this church doesn't just exist for church people, right? We, we don't just exist for people like me who have grown up in church your entire life, and, and I can't sit, and I'm guilty of it, I'll be really honest with you. Preach to me today, pastor. Come on, I need a word. I need to be fed today. Come on, pastor. Right? Come on, this is what we do sometimes. But church isn't all about you and me. Are you all right? Are you, are you going to stay with me tonight? There is a, a world outside of these four walls that need to know the saving message of Jesus Christ. We are on a mission We, as a church, are on a mission, and literally, you're in either one of two places in this whole Jesus journey. Are you ready? Either you're searching for him, you're trying to find him and be in relationship with him, that's the first place you are, or the second place, once you've found him, you have joined the search party, and you're going out looking for other people that don't know him. God really, really, really loves his kids that aren't found. God God is, is passionate about the people that have never heard his name. He's passionate about the people that make poor choices day in and day out. He's passionate about the people that that you might look at and say, what in, they need to get their life together. He he cares about them. He he loves them. He he desires to be in relationship with them. And watch this. You don't take inventory of found things, right? Like when you lost your keys... You don't say, well, hey, there's my wallet. This is awesome. No. I need to find my keys. Where where in the world are my keys? Why? It's because you got to catch this. You're distracted by that which is lost. And, And listen, if you lose your wallet... You're going to accuse everybody and their mama that they stole it. Right? You, you won't, you'll be two hours late to work looking for your wallet. They're going to use my gas card. I, they're going to take the $5 I have out of my debit card. They're going to use it at H-E-B. Because you're distracted 
by that which is lost. And let me let you in on a little secret tonight. God is distracted by that which is lost. God is distracted by that which, I don't want to hurt your feelings tonight. But he looks down on a congregation like this, and can I tell you, he loves your worship, but he doesn't live for it. He's not, he's, he's looking down, man, you guys got it, that's great, keep it, oh, there goes one of my kids, I gotta go get, it. they just left the 99, I'm, I'm leaving the 99 to, oh, I gotta go get them. Yes. See, he's distracted by that which is lost. He, he cares about the one that strays away from the flock. You and I may be getting it right all the time, and that's great, but guess what? He cares about you, but, but he cares about this one too. He's distracted by that which is lost And he's looking down on a congregation that's saying Hey, great job, you guys are doing a good job But, but, but I, 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 see, I see my child out there that's struggling And I just gotta reach for him Hang on, hang on just a second And because he loves the lost You and I have to love the lost. Because he loves them, you and I must love them. Let me show you why. And this, is, this blows my mind. It absolutely blows my mind. I don't understand God. You realize that you and I are it, don't you? I'm sorry, Lord. You and I are it. Like he, he thought enough of you to not come up with a plan B for the world to know who he is. No pressure. He doesn't have a plan B. You are plan A, and guess what? It rides on our shoulders whether we choose to share the good news of Jesus. See, it's up to you, and it's up to me. We, we are, we're the A-team. I'm Mr. T, back off. I don't get that one. It's time. Listen, church. It's time that as individuals and as a church, as a whole, that we get distracted by that which is lost. That you don't keep walking past that person at work that you know is hurting. Come on, let's get real for a second. But you take time even though you're on your way and what you got to do is important. I know. You got to turn that paper in. You got to turn that report in. I get it. You got to sell that car. I know. But there's eternity that's hanging in the balance for someone, and they're waiting on you and they're waiting on me to share our faith. But it's not easy, is it? It's not easy as it used to be, for sure, because we live in a society that is growing more and more skeptical about the things of God, about Christianity 
specifically in a world where, where people will come in with these presuppositions and ideas really that, that aren't true. They, they, they've seen stuff and they've heard stuff and so they, they think that that's the way that, that a relationship with Jesus really must be. It's not, it's not as easy as perhaps it used to be. And so let's talk about it. In a world where it seems difficult to share our faith, how do we go about doing it? And I want to start with a verse in 1 Peter chapter 3 that kind of sets the, the stage for this. And it says this, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Always be prepared. And I love this. I love this because this is insinuating that you and I are living a life that is so attractive that people would actually ask us, hey, what is going on? Like, you got to tell me what's happening in your world. Like, it just assumes that that we're living a life so attractive that that people are going to, I got to know what's going on in their world. You and I must be prepared when people ask you questions like, hey, why do you go to church on a Wednesday night? You, you, you got to be prepared for when people ask you, why do you pray so much? Why are, you, why are you involved in life groups? Why do you go to church every Sunday? Why do you serve? Have an answer. Have an answer. And so I want to help you with that today. If you want to share your faith more effectively, the first thing that I think Scripture would help us and teach us to do is you've got to connect with people. I know that sounds tough. you got to connect with people. Let me say it this way. You've got to connect before you correct. People... <laughs> If you don't connect with people and we walk up pointing fingers, hey, 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 no, sir, you need Jesus. No, what I need to do is drop kick you. That's what I need to do. That would hurt me really bad if I tried to do that. You've got to connect before you ever try to correct, it's not our job to go pointing fingers to everyone in the world. That, that, that's not what you and I are called to do. In fact, what I love is that, that Jesus was the great connector. Jesus was a phenomenal connector. That's what's so genius about the life that he lived But here's what else I love. Sinners love to be around Jesus. And it goes a step further. They loved being around him, but he never compromised the truth. He was around sinners, but he never compromised the truth. They were at his feet, and he wasn't saying, hey, 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 you need to go. you got to go change right now. No, no, no. He connected with people. First, he, he got to know people, but then he would also, he was very stern. He would be very blunt with you when the opportunity presented itself. Hey, listen, you got to leave your life of sin. 
but he did it in the right way. He connected with people. He was straightforward, but he connected to them first because people don't care what you know. They don't care about the knowledge that you have about Jesus. What they care about is do you care about them? What's your agenda? Why are you coming at me like this? They care about the fact that you care about them. Let me show you. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. There was a man by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector. Let me put it in today's language. He was somebody that nobody liked. Since we've just come through the elections, to them he was a thief, perhaps a sleazy politician. That, that's, what, that's what he would have been viewed as, seriously, in this day and age. And How dare you, Jesus, Zacchaeus, what? Watch this. You notice that Zacchaeus didn't want to know what Jesus knew. He just wanted to see who Jesus was. He, he didn't care what Jesus knew right off the, the top. No, no, no. He wanted to see who Jesus was. And I'm telling a church today that there's people that you go to work with. There's people that live right next door to you. There's people that you go to school with that want to see who you are. They want to see how you respond when things don't go the way that you had it planned. They want to see how you respond when your boss does you wrong and you have an opportunity to get even or to do the right thing. They, there's people that, that want to see who you are. They, they don't care right off the bat what you know, but they want to see who you are. But because he was short, Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man was he. He couldn't see over the crowd. And so he ran and he climbed a sycamore tree. And since Jesus was coming that way, and when Jesus reached the spot, this is powerful. Jesus looks up to Zacchaeus and he says, Zacchaeus, you thief, you liar. No, he didn't say that. No, no, no. That's, that's not what Jesus said. He, he, didn't, he didn't say, Zacchaeus, you better repent. No, that's not my Jesus. He didn't say that. He said, Zacchaeus, hey, Bob, hey, come on down. Come down, come down quickly, in fact. Zacchaeus, you know what I want to do, man? Let's, let's go have lunch. I want to get to know your family. I want to know what's going on in your world. Like, I want to know kind of what make, what frustrates you, what makes you go. I, I want to get to know you, Zachy. Let's go, Zachy, let's go have lunch together. Where you want to go? Chili's? You want Applebee's? What you feeling? And so he came down at once, and he welcomed him. Gladly hear me, church. There's people in your world that you will encounter 
that if your first response isn't, hey, you need to turn your life over to Jesus right now or else you're going to hell. If that's not your first response, but instead your first response is, hey, you want to go grab something to eat? Hey, 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 I just, I want to get to know you, man. I know we've been working together for a while, but I don't really know much about you. I'd love to know. I'd love to hear about your kids. Tell me the sport. Listen, you ask a, a dad about the sports that his kids are playing, he'll talk to you for two hours. Just ask me. People will welcome you gladly if your first response is, hey, let's go grab something to eat. Man, absolutely, let's go, especially if you're buying. you you got to be wise about it. Come on, in a world where it's not easy to share your faith, you got to use wisdom. And all the people saw this, and they began to mutter, this is the religious group, right? They're saying, oh, hey, look at Jesus. He, he's going to the house of a sinner. That's what they're saying. Jesus said, hey, you can't trust him. He's a friend of sin. Can I just tell you that if that's what people say about me, if that's how you criticize me, you criticize me all the time. I'm okay with being known as a friend of sinners, Can I tell you something real quick? I got really convicted. This is not in my notes. I got really convicted several years ago because I would stand and preach to people about sharing their faith. And God dropped it in my spirit. He said, Brad, how many sinners do you know? Oh, I thought, well, I know a lot. I got to counting. You see, I'm a pastor, so I work up here, right? My life revolves around church. And God corrected me. said, son, you you got to get out there. Ministry is not standing behind a pulpit and preaching from my notes. Can I tell you the greatest fulfillment you'll ever get in your life? Is when you share your faith with someone that you have had lunch with, that you've had a meal with, that you care about, and then you watch them walk in the doors of their church, of your church, and surrender their lives to Jesus Christ. That's the greatest fulfillment you will get. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord. This is after the lunch, okay? This is powerful. This is after they had come out of the lunch. There's this gap. We don't know exactly what was said during this lunch. But Zacchaeus comes out of the lunch and he says, Hey, hey, listen, I'm going to give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody, I want to pay them back four times what they think that I've stolen from them. It didn't come after Jesus looked at him and said, you need to repent right now. No, 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 no. All of this happened after Jesus was breaking bread with somebody, when he was getting to know a sinner, when he was saying, hey, tell me about your family. Please, I want to know about you. 
See, change happens. Change happens this way. This is, this is how effective change happens when you're sharing your faith. And I don't know what happened at that lunch. I don't know what kind of food they ate. But if it's a restaurant that we have now, like I want to go there because something powerful took place in that moment. And I'm telling you, it's the power of personal relationship. It's the power of caring. And if you will care for people, if you'll add value and love to people, it's going to open a massive door of opportunity for you to share your faith with them. The second thing, if you want to share your faith in a world where it's difficult to do, is that you've got to look for an opportunity to share your story. You've got to look for an opportunity to share your story. You have a story. You have a story. You know, like the greatest evangelism tip that I can give you is not to tell people how they need to change. In fact, there's not a verse. Flip through your Bible. You can do it now if you want. You're going to be sitting here flipping all night that says, hey, go around and figure out where those people are wrong and highlight it for them. Just share it with them. Just go tell them. There's not a verse in your Bible that says that. In fact, it says the very opposite. Jesus is speaking in Matthew chapter 5. He says, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father. See what happens when, when you live a life that is attractive When you live your life and you allow your light to shine, people are going to look and they're going to say, what in the world is happening? They're going to say, I need that. What what is it? You're going to say, I I can't explain it all, but I can share with you my story. I can tell you what, what it is that Jesus has done in my life. When you share your story, it makes you human. It doesn't, listen, people, people look at Christianity and people that, that go to church, they, they look at us, right, like we got it all together. Oh, they must. I mean, they don't ever. If you're transparent and open, they say, man, Jesus really did do something and he really did change you. Like you used to act like me and now you act like this. What? In a courtroom, you've got several players, right? You've got the judge, the prosecutor, the defender, the witness. Don't be the judge. Don't be the judge. Don't be the prosecutor. You don't have anything to defend. Don't be the defender. Be the witness. Be the witness. <laughs> be the witness. Share Share your side of the story. Hey, let me tell you what Jesus has done for me. Let me tell you the difference that he's made in my life. Your story doesn't turn people off. Your story pulls people in. People want to know your story. I'm not, I'm not saying you've got to tell them every detail. But what you've gone through might just be the very thing that they're dealing with in that moment. And the fact that you were able to overcome it with the power of Christ could be the very thing that they need to say, that's exactly what I need. The third thing, this is my favorite. 
is that you've got to invite them to a place. Invite them to a place where they can have a face-to-face encounter with God. Invite them to a place where they can have an encounter with God that can change their life forever. Jesus is not a religion. He's not someone to be understood. He's someone to be encountered. He's someone to be experienced. He's someone that if you ever have a face-to-face encounter with him, that you'll never be a skeptic again. (laughs) That if you have a moment with him where you are in the presence of God, you will not be skeptical that he exists. And I can imagine that there's some skeptics in the room tonight. And I want to tell you that, that our goal here at CLC, listen, is not to get you to become a member of this church. Of course, that would be awesome. We would love that. Great. Yes, yes. You know what my goal is? You know what Pastor Johnson's goal is? Our team's goal is that you would encounter Jesus in such a way that it would change everything about you. That you would have an encounter and experience with Jesus Christ that you would never be the same again. Your friends, your family, your co-workers, they don't need to experience an institution. They need to experience Jesus. Paul was a skeptic. He was. Paul, Paul was a skeptic. He was trained in religious law. He was a Pharisee by trade, killing Christians because he, he was convinced that it was a cult until, until he had an encounter with the Almighty. He was a skeptic, but then he, he had an encounter. And watch what Paul says. This is beautiful. He says, let me tell you how I'm going to share Jesus from now on. You'll remember, friends, that when I first came to you to let you in on God's master stroke, I didn't impress you because that's not how people's lives are changed, right? He says, I didn't give you a polished speech because that doesn't help either. I didn't give you the latest philosophy, even though he would have been qualified to do so. He says, I deliberately kept it plain and simple. First, Jesus, who he is, and then Jesus, what he does, Jesus crucified. And he says, I was unsure about how to go about this, and I felt totally inadequate. Anybody ever been there? In fact, he says, I was scared to death, and if you want to know the truth of it, and so nothing I said And nothing you and I can say either is going to impress anybody. But the message came through. Somehow, I I didn't have this great speech. It wasn't this beautiful oratory explanation. No, 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 no. But somehow, the message still came through. How? God's spirit and God's power. The word spirit here is pneuma in the Greek, and it means breath of fresh air. It means that I can't see it, but I know it's there. I can't see it, but I can can feel it. I know that there's something that I I may not be able to wrap my head around it, but, but I know, I know that I know that I'm experiencing something that's changing me. It's God's power. 
And he continues to say, not some fancy mental or emotional footwork by me or anybody else. It's not not how great you are with words that are going to win your friends. That's not what it is. It's that burning passion and desire, the anointing of God that is on your life that is going to draw people to him. It's the power that lives on the inside of you. The spirit of God that you have living inside of you is what will draw people to him. So we're connecting with people. We're looking for opportunities to share our story. And then at the appropriate time, we're going to get them to a place to where they can have an experience with God. People have the wrong images of God, right? This is the real reason why they don't come to church sometimes. And I want to run through these really, really quickly. It's kind of like, it's kind of like this, this, this illustration. Let me use it this way, okay? You got friends that says, I don't want to play basketball. You're like, why? Well, I don't like getting tackled and this helmet is just way too heavy. Wait, 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 no, 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 you got it mixed up. That's the wrong, that's not how, that's the wrong sport. And it's the same way with Christianity. They have these, these wrong presuppositions, these wrong images of God that is clouding their judgment. The first wrong picture of God that we, many of the people that you encounter see as they see him as a locked gate. That he's there, but you can't get in. Like, like he's there, but, but he seems so far away because I'm all messed up. Like, I, he, I, we got to stay as far away as possible. Like, I know he's there, but, but I can't really access him. I can't really get into his, I can't really get to know him. Like, I know he's there, but I can't really, I can't really get there. And if you're a Christian, listen, you're never far from God. You're never, you're never far from God. But, but if you've been raised in church all your life, I'll guarantee you there's been times in your life where you feel like God is a million miles away. Here's myth number one that we've got to bust. Are you ready? The myth that God can't be reached. We've got to break that with our friends, with our co-workers. He's not a locked gate. God God is not so far that he can't hear your voice when you pray. He is, listen, he's not playing hide and seek with you and I. He's not, that's not how he operates at all. I'm telling you, he's so near that you can have an experience with him in a moment that will forever change your destiny. That's how close he is. He's as close as the mention of his name. He's not some far distant God. He is near. He's close. The second picture, wrong picture of God that many people have is that they see God through the lens of a pile of luggage. If I could just get get rid of all my baggage that I carry in this world, I'm such, you don't know the stuff that I've done, Pastor Brad. You don't know the life that I live. I know he came to help those people, but, but I, I'm sure I need to unload some of that first. Still don't believe me. Let me show you Romans. For God, 
showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinning. While we were still sinning. He didn't wait to see if you were going to surrender your heart to him before he died for you. Like, he, he wasn't like, up, oh, hold the nails. Oh, I need to see if Brad, I need to see how Brad's going to act before. No, no, no. He said, in fact, while you're spitting on me and while you're, you're shoving a spear into my side, I'm going to go ahead and take care of that too while I'm up here. No, no, no. That, that's not how he operates. And why did he do it? To show his great love for you. To show his great love for us. The third wrong picture of God that I think many, many people have is they view him as this endless ladder. Like you can get there, but it's going to take a lot of work. I got to pray 47 hours a day. I got to read the Bible through every day. If I miss one surface at church, I'm not sure he's going to love me. It's the myth that God requires so much from you that you just really, there's no way that you can do everything that he requires of you. And I want to tell you, sure, there's stuff that he wants us to do on this earth, but it's not to get his love. Listen, I take the trash out, not because I want Cassidy to love me, I take the trash out because the trash stinks. Right? Like she gonna love me whether I take the trash out. Right, babe? Okay. Just making sure. We don't do stuff around the church for God to like us. We don't serve for God to like us. We don't reach out in our community so that God will like us. No, no, he already likes us. We, we serve and we, we do and we give because there's a need. It's not to get his love. No, he, he loves you and me in spite of what we do. He already likes you. We do it all because there's people in need and it's not about me it's about those people that we're trying to reach I want to end our time together tonight with an email that I received on Monday and it blew my mind it's amazing how God works because inside this email listen I want you to pay attention you're going to see everything that we talked about tonight. You're going to see the importance of connecting with people. You're going to see the importance of sharing your story. You're going to see the importance and the impact that inviting someone to a place where they can have an experience with God, you're going to see how important it really is. You're going to see how people really do have wrong pictures of God. That they see him as a locked gate sometimes. They, 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 they have these images that, that they, have to, they have to get through this pile of luggage and, and unload all their baggage. And they see him sometimes as an endless ladder. But I want to I read this email to you. And it's kind of lengthy, but stay with me. I got this on Monday at 3.45 p.m. Pastor Brad. 
I remember attending church at a very early age with my grandparents, parents, brother, and sister. We attended several churches, never staying at one for more than a year or two, and I distinctly remember not liking church, though. I remember feeling like the whole thing was a charade, that people just went to church to show off their nice clothing and to make a public appearance or to gossip about those that were less than in any fashion. I never felt the presence of love, even from God. I always felt that I was never good enough to deserve God's love. There's your pile of luggage. There were so many rules. There's your endless ladder. To be a Christian, that I was always failing at one, at least one daily. Church was no place for me. Now, while I never gave up on God, I didn't attend church from the age of 10 to 26. I talked to God often, and I never felt spiritual. I always felt compassionate towards people, but didn't know anything about fellowship. After living in Austin for one year, my husband and I were referred to CLC in 2009, two years after we were married. There's someone connected that they're connected to, shared their story. As soon as we entered the church, and please understand what I'm about to read is by no means bragging on this pastoral team. That is not the intent of this. Please understand this. As soon as we entered the church, I remember experiencing something that I had never felt before at church. And that was the presence of true, unconditional love and acceptance for everyone. Dot, 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 literally everyone. When we had our first child, Pastor Jay came to the hospital to bless our baby girl. However, after having our second child... We stopped attending church regularly. At first, it was due to the struggles of managing two children, along with work, a house, and a marriage. I envied couples who managed to show up to church with all of their kids fully clothed. But it seemed to be a little too much for us. LOL. Then if I'm honest, laziness set in. Sundays were a day to sleep in and watch cartoons and spend time in bed with the kids. I could still have a relationship with God just at home. That's what I told myself at least. This was the pattern of my life, going to church, not going to church, committing to go back, and then making excuses. It was the lifestyle, it was this lifestyle that inevitably led me to a lost place where themes, things seemed fine on the surface. Our careers, our marriage were doing well, but we were not fulfilled. This week's service at the movies, Pastor Jay hit the nail on the head when he said that God had been trying to reach you your whole life and you've been resisting him. I have. It wasn't because I didn't want him, though. It was for a hundred other reasons that that surrounded my constant fear of being undeserving. The thing is, it took me 
a long time to understand that every time I was drawn back to him, it was his way of letting me know he wasn't done with me yet, that he hadn't given up on me. I'm 36 years old and feel like I'm just now starting to understand. It took me so long to get here. And while I don't understand everything, I know I'm ready to let the wall down. I'm ready to be vulnerable. I'm ready to let God in. I'm tired of resisting. Every time I needed to get close to God, it was CLC that allowed me to feel his presence. This is inviting them to a place where they can have a face-to-face encounter with God that will change everything. What this church is, is truly a miracle. This place changes lives. It saves lives. It saved my life. Thank you for creating a space in which broken people can come and humble themselves and feel the presence of God. Can I tell you there are people that you work with, that you live next to, that are in your world that have the very same story. They're waiting on someone to connect with them, not tell them what they're doing wrong. They're waiting on you to connect with them and share your story. They're waiting on you to invite them to a place where they can experience God in a real and tangible way, where they can have everything about their life be turned upside down in the best way possible. They're waiting on you to share your faith. Would you stand with me? If you have your communion cups with you, we're going to end service tonight by taking taking communion. And as we do, you read the passages where communion was served, where Jesus was with his disciples. And he says, as often as you do, do in remembrance of me. And, and we're going to take communion... And we're going to remember what it was that Jesus did for us. But listen, here's what I want you to do tomorrow. Tomorrow, I want you to remember the people in your life that need to know Jesus. Because I think a lot of times that's part of the reason why we don't share our faith is we just forget sometimes. We get so busy. But I want to encourage you to remember the people in your life. Matthew chapter 26 says that while they were eating, Jesus he took the bread. If I can open this, I'll take the bread out. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he gave to his disciples saying... Take and eat. This is my body that was broken for you. Would you take the bread? Come on, remember. Thank you, Jesus. 
he took the cup. When he had given thanks, he gave it to him, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood covenant, which is poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Would you take the cup? Would you bow your heads? we end our time together tonight remembering remembering what you've done for us we didn't deserve it we don't deserve it now thank you thank you for dying for us but not just us thank you for for dying for the people that we work with go to school with, that we live next to. Thank you for dying for them too. Lord, as we remember what you've done for us, we commit to remembering those around us, to reach for them because they need to know what it is that we know about you. Bless us tonight for it's in Jesus' name I pray. Everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here. We'll see you on Sunday. Don't miss at the movies. It's going to be an incredible, incredible Sunday. Bring somebody with you. We'll see you Sunday.